Hey, Brock, how are you? Doing well, John. How are you? I'm good. I was wondering, what are like your favorite television shows? Oh, man. Um, I haven't really been watching anything new recently. I have been rewatching some of the best Game of Thrones episodes, just trying to, you know, bridge the gap uh, between the next season. I got to be honest, that show kind of ruined TV for me because it was just so much better than everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I haven't really been watching anything like brand new uh, probably in the past six months. I think that's just a sign that you are working very hard. Yeah, it definitely takes up some time. I, I do like movies, though. You know, I, I like to I like to watch stuff. I, I appreciate the the format of TV and movies. But uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, I sit down to to watch something or, you know, I hear about a new show on Netflix or something and I'm halfway through an episode and, and I'm just like, I, I don't know if I really want to spend the time, you know. So I usually end up listening to a podcast or uh, or audiobook or something like that. I was listening to the newest season of Serial, and I was like, and I can't really get into it like the first season. I realized some of my favorite television shows like end before there's too many seasons, and the ones that go on for too long, you just kind of lose interest and they kind of trail off. And so um, I didn't know, like, if you were the Serial producers, would you be happy that you changed the landscape of podcasts forever, but you couldn't really capture that moment again? Or I don't know, I was just, I was really contemplating that. Yeah, actually, I, I just listened to the first couple episodes of um of their new season, and it is it was an interesting choice for them to change the format. I feel like they could have reproduced that first season magic, maybe not quite quite the same magic because it wouldn't be the first time, but I feel like they could have reproduced that pretty easily because a lot of podcasts have kind of done the same thing. But I actually think it was kind of kind of brave to do something different. But I agree that it's not as appealing. Yeah, I do. I mean, I like it because I'm kind of connected to that area. I grew up right outside of Cleveland. And so it's interesting to hear that. And, and I'm not far from it now. And so, but it gives you a good painting of the, the rest of it. So I really liked S-Town. When S-Town came out, that was one that I just went straight through like all eight episodes. Yeah, S-Town was really good, actually. That, that was a solid podcast. I've been really into some of the, like, I guess, like fiction, like highly produced, like, audio uh, like fictional audio dramas like um uh tannis and rabbits and like some of those i don't know more like almost sci-fi it's it's really it's it's like watching a movie just with only the audio yeah gimlet did one of those right with like big name actors yeah what what was gimlet's i don't know i stick to like business nonfiction. actually today i got really excited because they announced that there's going to be a podcast with kara swisher and Scott Galloway. So it's like two of my favorite personalities in that like media business space coming together and it's like the stars have aligned. Yeah, that that's a great format for Galloway because his stuff is you don't really need the visuals. I mean, he's a funny guy, but you don't really need the visuals and his stuff is really dense, you know, so you can pack a lot of a lot of info into that format. Yeah, I like Scott Galloway. Scott Galloway partially inspires my Wednesday videos when I talk about the uh, the industry. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, I mean, I, I guess, I guess we got to ask you're full time now for what, two weeks, two full, two full weeks. Yeah. And for last, you know, I, my first day was a Monday. And so 
we're recording on a Tuesday, but um, I'm into my third week and it's been heavenly and exciting and frightening. Like today was the first time my kids had to go to the uh, to the doctor and I'm still covered by my insurance through the end of the month, but I got to switch uh, at the end of the month. And so that's the kind of stuff that I was always anticipating, but I've been figuring out my new schedule. Uh, like before, I would shoot a lot of videos like weekend mornings or like Monday, Tuesday, and then I would edit them in the mornings through the rest of the week or if I had a late flight or like red eyes, I would pump, I would edit three or four videos on a red eye coming home from the West Coast. And so I've got this whole different dynamic to the way that I do my videos now, but uh, I'm figuring it out. I'm a week ahead on videos for the first time ever. I've never really been able to get like three or four days ahead, but now I've been able to get that done so I can focus on some other stuff. Um, I can take the time, like the sneaker video probably took 40 to 50 hours of, you know, data collection, doing the script. Uh, I shot original photography for all the shoes that's going to be on the website, shooting video for that, and I wouldn't have been able, that would have taken me like three weeks to do in my two-hour increments every day. And so that's a, a big first. And then I'm working on a performance dress shirt roundup that I, I've I've been working on it for a while, but now that I can take like a whole day to sit here and and get it all wrapped up. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I've always looked forward to. And I've got a trip coming up next week to New York that I could never have done before where I'm going to get to meet with Christian on Wednesday and I'm going to meet with um, the Mensch on Thursday. And then we got our meetups on Friday. And then Saturday, I'm going to meet up with some photographers in the city too. And it's just like all the stuff I've been saying for years I would do if I had more time, including lifting, which is also starting. And so uh, it's weird because I, I, as much as I don't have a boss, I consider every subscriber a boss. That's like I got, I've got like forty thousand bosses now, um, but it's it's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, I was going to ask about the shoe video because I know you started working on it obviously before. You you probably been working on it for a long time, but was was the editing and the scripting and stuff was most of that done after you left the job? Yeah, so I ordered most of those shoes in May. I intended to have it up before the summer. I wanted it to be like, a, a you know, if you're looking for summer shoes, here you go. So that was uh, a failing on my part. But a lot of the collection of like, because what I ended up doing is on a spreadsheet. I have all the shoes and then I have style, um, of it, style, style, size availability, like leather. I've got all the details laid out in a spreadsheet. I had a lot of that done. Uh, but actually, I shot the whole video on Thursday uh, and then I edited it Friday morning and I did the thumbnail in the time that it was uploading to YouTube. So I still haven't really gotten over my tendency to procrastinate and work under a very strict deadline. Like I finished that video literally had half an hour before it went, went live. And so that's, that's another thing I'm trying to get better about just personally. It's like, if I'm working on something, work ahead, don't get down to the deadline. Like right now I'm trying to get the performance dress shirt video done I actually have to get it done on Thursday because I'll be out of town on Friday. I can't work on it Friday. I'll be with Teddy Baldassar all day. And so, um, yeah, a yeah. lot of that was done like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that week, which is not good. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure you'll figure that part of it out. But it's I, I don't know if I'm reading into it, but when I was watching that video, it just seemed like it was produced by someone who had more time, <laughs> you know, com compared to – 
your your videos before that. Like not not that I mean you had you've had some videos that were also like long and complicated and obviously had a lot of behind the scenes work. But the way this one was edited and the script and the B roll and stuff, to me, I was just like, oh, this is so obvious that this is a post full time video to me. Well, that that is true because I would not have been able to spend all day like all day Wednesday, all day Thursday. And part of it too was the reason I struggled with this video all summer and the reason that I kept putting off even working on it was that I couldn't figure out the best way to convey the information across so many shoes. And then like, I think it was the first week, it was two weeks ago, like something clicked and I was like, do it by price buckets. And then that helped me break them up. And I, I wouldn't have had the mental space to even arrive at that conclusion had I been focusing on, on everything else I was doing at my day job. So that is a part of it is that I now, it's like I walk out to the studio and I the, the top floor of the studio, and I'm almost, I just finished the shelving, so I'm gonna do a studio tour soon. But the top floor is all work. It's my computer is here. I can record podcasts up here. I shoot over there. But downstairs, I have a couch and a TV and I got all kind of like stuff down there. So it's like downstairs is where I go to watch YouTube videos and fart around. Upstairs is just work. And so it's like having even having that mental separation has been helpful aside from being able to walk away from my house and my family and and come out here and focus. So thank that's I take that as a compliment. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was was a good video, man. I was going to do a video on uh, I have like probably three pairs of those shoes that were from, from your video. And I'm like, what's the point? You know, like I would just tell people to go watch that one at this point. <laughs> so, well, you can but, do that but too. I did, I, but I like that you yeah, said the Koyos I mean, were that way. Cause the Koyos have been, uh, almost a surprise out of this. It's like, look, I got all these shoes, but the Koyos I keep coming back to. And I saw a couple of comments where people were like, I have Koyos and com projects and I like the Koyos better. And I was like, that's, I can see that. Yeah, totally agree. And actually I'm wearing today, I'm wearing the Beckett Simonon, um, sneakers. And I have to say after wearing the the three that I was going to talk about was Koyo, Beckett Simonon and, um, Oliver Cabell. And out of the three, I think Koyo are the, the clear, like premium quality leader, but the Beckett Simonon are so comfortable. Like I'm shocked at how comfortable they are without any break in. Um, so so, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend those two, which I, you're, you've been a fan of that brand for years now. Well, I think it's still worth doing. I think the appetite for minimalist white or minimalist sneakers is so insatiable. I think I was just the first one to really cover more than two or three because I can now see Mm -hmm. like in the comments, all the brands are being recommended that I didn't include, especially someone like Alan Edmonds and then Svensson was the other big one. There's there's a bunch of brands that I missed that I was trying to not miss, but uh, I think it's, it's worth doing. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's how I felt with my, like my workout hall video. There were just so many recommended brands in the comments that I was like, man, yeah, I could do two or three of these videos at least, you know, just to cover all the smaller brands and all those kind of more obscure brands. Yeah. And, and actually the real shocker too was I wasn't originally planning to include, I don't think I put those crown shoes in here until Wednesday until I had to wear them. I wore them to like run an errand. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, like these are some of my favorite shoes to wear. They're just not white. So I hadn't really considered them. And then obviously they offer them online. And so then I put them in the video and then they they emailed me and they're like, hey, we saw a lot of traffic on Friday and we figured out it's because of your video. And I was like, uh, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I really like those ones. I just never considered them because they weren't white. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you've had those for a while, right? Yeah, I've had them for over a year. I got them when they offer them through the podcast and 
now I want to get, they offer a whole cut model and that would be like the crispiest. Totally. Yeah. I am on the, um, Beckett Simonon, uh, trainers, uh, pre-order. So that'll be cool to have They're They're kind of making their version of the German army trainer, which actually I think Oliver Cabell has one of those in the works too. So that that's another opportunity for kind of a roundup. Cause that's, that's another style of sneaker, a take on the, the minimalist sneaker, um, that a lot of people really like is that German army trainer. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Do you get them in November? Cause I think I'm probably in that same campaign. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It is November. I think I got the black ones. Man, I was, I was really torn cause they both look sweet, but I, I got the lighter ones. Well, those essentially replace your, your tigers cause your tigers you've gotten quite a bit of wear out of. Yeah, exactly. So the tigers at this point are basically like deadlift shoes and I don't really wear them too much out of the house unless I'm like riding a bike or something and, you know, doing something where they might get dirty. But yeah, I, I don't wear those, uh, really, you know, with outfits anymore. Well, one of the comments that stuck out in the sneaker video, somebody said, uh, shoes that last for seven years, I'll have what he's smoking. And I wanted, I didn't even address it, but I wanted to comment back and be like, that's, if you buy nice stuff and you take care of it, like my grates, those black grates that were in the video are three years old and they look as good as they did coming out of the box. It's like, if you get nice leather and you clean them and you can take care of them, seven years shouldn't be a problem. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, if they don't last a few years, they're they're not good shoes. I mean, I've had shoes that were not very expensive. I mean, I had the, those J. Crew McAllisters, those desert boots, I think on sale, they're, I don't know, I mean, under $200 and they lasted for like, I mean, at least five years and, and I wore them really hard. So I feel like well-made shoes should last at least a few years, you know? I mean, now if you're buying sub hundred dollar shoes at, at the mall, then, then yeah, I wouldn't expect those to last. Have you ever had any of the Nike kill shots? Cause I was really tempted to pick them up when they just did that, the J crew thing like a couple of weeks ago, I almost grabbed them, but it's like, why do I need another pair of sneakers? Yeah, I, I've never had them. Every time I see them, I, I like them, you know, I see them, see them a lot out in the wild and I always like them. I feel like they're really versatile for, especially for a shoe with a logo on it. Like they just seem to be the right colors to kind of work with any outfit. Um, Koi over at a uh, gentleman within, he, he wears them a lot and, Seems to get a lot of wear out of them, but I don't know. I've just never picked them up. There, there's something that kind of irks me about the hype around it and like the limited release. I'm like, I just, I don't want to be caught up in that. You know, it's, it's so artificial <laughs> that they're like controlling the quantities like that. And you know, they get sold out like immediately. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of annoying. Well, in the same vein this week, I picked up those 350 V2s for my wife. I don't know that she'll listen to this episode, but that's going to be her uh, Christmas surprise. But it's the same case. It's like I literally – that same week, I had a f- conversation with a friend. We talked about Supreme. We talked about Yeezy because Kanye West did a speech where he said he wants his fashion to be accessible to everybody. And it's like you literally – he wants to spend $250 on shoes, but he cannot get them because he wasn't within a store. And then I saw an article by Cam Wolf that said the 350s were coming and they were going to be mass – it was the first time they'd be mass available and uh, – and then it was true. I was able to get a pair. Hmm. Wait, so so those, those are the new boosts? Yeah. So this is apparently the first time that they're going to be doing huge quantities. And like it was pretty easy to just go online and, and grab a pair. I think they're still 200. Were they 200 or 220? Um, but they're like all white. But they're the, the easy, official easy boost. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to check those out. Yeah, I, I've been looking for like a really – 
really good looking and really versatile like workout shoe that I could actually wear in the gym. Would probably wouldn't wear it like running outside or anything, like wouldn't get it too dirty, but could actually use it for lifting. And I was looking at obviously, you know, everybody says Ultra Boost like the most comfortable shoes. Um, but then like Nike has like the Metcons, which are, I guess more geared toward like CrossFit and lifting. And then there's Nike's answer to Boost is the Reacts, their their new Reacts. And I tried one on and was very, very comfortable. But the problem is they only release a couple colors at one time. And they're like really weird colors, you know, they, they're like these random colorways. And uh, so, you know, if you don't like those or if you just want kind of like a plain sneaker, you're kind of out of luck until they release something that works for you. Yeah, she has one of the Boost models that looks like the Yeezy, but it's an, an Adidas silhouette. I also couldn't figure out if I should have said Adidas or Adidas in the video, so I said both. But uh, she <laughs> likes those. Actually, she's been wearing these Hoka 1-1s, and I think I'm going to replace my Asics with Hoka's for my next running shoe. How do you spell that? H-O-K-A. They're built as like ultra marathon running shoes, and then they have models that are for like less mileage. But she's been really happy with them. She's gone through everything. Like, you know, we bought her A6, we bought her Brooks, we brought her Nike and, and New Balance. But these are the first ones she was like, I'm going to go buy another pair of these ones. And so I'm kind of tempted. Interesting. I'm going to check those out. Yeah, I've been wearing the Brooks Ghosts as running shoes and kind of like cross training shoes for a few years. Super comfortable, not the best looking shoe in the world. Yeah, tends to be the case with most running shoes, but... And it's actually yeah. funny. You can tell when you go to like race, like I run a 5K every year on the 4th of July. And it's like you can tell the people that have Asics or Brooks are like actual running shoes. And then there's a bunch of people with Nikes and you can tell who are like the real, the real runners. Yeah, the ones who don't care about how their shoes look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, actually, this is a good segue into my other thing that I was, uh, that I've been thinking about a lot in my new maximum capacity uh, thoughtfulness is that so I have this video that I wrote a while ago and I never finished the script but the bones of it are basically done and it's about and it gets to I see this question a lot in comments on everybody's videos like how much should you spend on x like whether it's a suit or shoes or something and I've broken it down and I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts into it comes down to what you value do you value price do you value quality do you value heritage do you value price, quality, heritage? Um, I'm forgetting it. It's in the script. But uh, or oh, fit or experience. So like five points, and then they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can value fit, but then price is a consideration. Heritage, because like this also includes like watches and suiting. But it's like if you value fit number one, quality number two, price number three, you're gonna end up at like Oliver Wick suits. Or if you value price first, you're going to go to JCPenney or Zara. If you value um, heritage, you're going to go to Zenga or like a traditional bespoke uh, maker and then go that way. And so I've been trying to like pin that down. I did a suit video about it, but I wanted to like go even further out. And I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to figure out what the, the logical conclusion of that thought is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I think it it is worth figuring out what's important to you because especially with watches, that, that's like the most blatant example of it. Cause I think watch guys assume that heritage is important to everybody and it's just not, you know, like probably the vast majority of guys, it's just not important. And so if you take that out of it, it really changes everything 
it, it changes your decision process about which watch is best for you, even for the money, you know? So, and, and I think that's one of those things. It's, just, it's default. People are like, oh, well, this brand has heritage, so it's a better $200 watch than this brand that doesn't. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a good breakdown. Um, it'd be interesting to see, I, I don't know if everything would be weighted equally like heritage and fit, you know, like, I don't know for, for me, like fit, fit would be number one almost across the board. Yeah. And it started because I was in a focus group for a new brand. It was like a, an agency downtown. And when she went around the room, she said, okay, of the clothing, if you're going to shop for clothing, what's your top three considerations, fit, quality, or price? And everybody said fit first, quality second, and price third. And it's like if you look at the market, price is usually the number one. That's why H&M is so big, Zara is so big, and the mall brands are so big. If you were going with fit first or quality first, those wouldn't be the brands you'd think about. So it's like a, it's like an aspirational thing versus what you actually buy. It's like a lot of people will say they watch PBS because they want to have to have the the – People want them to. They want to be viewed like they watch, you know, public access network or television and, and high drama, but they're watching reality shows. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, it is funny because a lot of people say, "Well, I, th I think a lot of people really do want quality and and they want affordability." But when it comes down to it, you know, you can want quality, but you can only afford a certain you know type of clothes. So I think one of them is more of a what do I want? One of them is like, what can I have, you know, or what do I need? Uh, which will always, you know, trump what you want. So, I mean, you're right, you know, pr proof is kind of in the pudding. Like, you know, it's, it's all about what people actually spend their money on. And there's a reason that these fast fashion brands are so big. Yeah. And I saw an article last night. It was like, does, does American made actually matter? Because Alan Edmonds is going to be rolling out this big campaign about, you know, the heritage of their shoes and, and they're asked their all their prices are now four twenty five for a lot of their first run models, and it's like, are people actually going to pay for it? And I think they're going to find out. I kind of think the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, I, I think say the it, but... only brand that could do it though is Allen Edmonds. Like the the response in my Allen Edmonds videos is it's a very different customer than any other shoe company. And if there's anybody that can demand the premiums, it's them. Um, I was worried when I read the headline. It was in the Wall Street Journal. I was worried in the headline that it was going to be a story about how they're starting to outsource half of their production um, because we did testing for them at my old company. And if you say in the shoe, if you say in the description like it's like you know finished in Spain or, or crafted in Spain, people lose their minds. Hmm. You mean because that they. For Allen Edmonds specifically, like they don't, they don't want to, they, they want it to be hundred percent American. Yeah. They associate Allen Edmonds as a heritage American brand. Don't use Sully my brand. And, uh, I, it was fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. They do have a really, really strong brand. And I, I guess I, I could see them taking a hard line on that and not trying to be kind of hybrid or mysterious about it. But I don't know, man. I remember when I uh, a few years ago when I did my like limited run of button-up shirts with that with that company Trunkist, we decided to do made in the U.S. for branding reasons, but also like you know the quality ethical reasons. But also like it's easier when you're doing a small batch to make it in the U.S. because you don't have to like wait for shipping and for top-line samples and all that stuff. But I pulled people, and I I had, you know thousands of responses from a uh, from modest man audience people, and. Everybody said they wanted American made and just based on like purchases and, and pricing, people aren't willing to pay for it. 
like especially for something like a shirt where it's like if H&M is anchoring people's idea of what a shirt should cost and they're anchoring it at 30 bucks and you say, well, this one's 115 because it was made in Chicago. People are like, that's great. I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, the market is small. I think the guys that would, though, are the ones that are listening to this and they're just as puzzled about it as we are. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I say, speaking of uh, purchasing, <laughs> so I'm looking at I'm looking at cameras, and today is uh, Photokina 2018, which is like the big photography videography uh, conference where camera companies all, you know, do their press releases. And I actually bought a Panasonic GH5, and the the return window is closing, and so now I'm like monitoring all this news. Uh, to see if there's some, something else better out there. Because like, I'm really, really torn on which camera I should use going forward. I saw that. I, I also use a GH5, and I was like, oh, okay. It's like, and, and Casey did for a while. But do you feel like you're not getting what you want out of it? No, I mean, it's 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 an amazing video camera. I My only concern is there's something about having a full frame for photography, and I do like taking pictures, Um and it'd be nice to have both in one package. I know it's, you gotta make, you know, there's no perfect camera. It kind of depends on what you do, and I do mostly video, but it's really tempting to get a full frame uh, camera like the a7 III just to have that low light, blurry backgrounds, you know, photography. I think you can accomplish a lot of that with new lenses though on the Panasonic, right? Well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely, like if you get like a, you know, a 1.4 lens or 1.8 lens, yeah, you can get a ton of bokeh, but there is something different about full frame uh, cameras. And a lot of these brands now are releasing like full frame mirrorless cameras, you know? So I think, I think the best of both worlds will be available pretty soon, but maybe it's not quite there. Well, I also take the position of like, if you're going to be meeting up with photographers, let them have the gear. You need what's going to give you like the best of it's, it's, you're getting almost the best of both worlds right now, but you're going to have a much better camera you're getting shot with. And that's what you're paying for somebody for. That's pretty true. Yeah. I, I think every, I think every photographer I've worked with has used, uh, an a seven three, you know, the Sony's full frame mirrorless or a full frame Canon, uh, so, you know, they're all going to have that taken care of. I think I have like some, some like uh fantasy about being more into photography one day, <laughs> but it's one of those things like buy the camera for, you know, your current needs versus uh, what you might want to be one day. So I, I think I'll probably stick with the GH5. I'm, I'm just keeping a, keeping an eye on the news today. Yeah, that's very true. A guy that I am, I'm meeting him at this afternoon actually he shoots with a Sony. So he gets great stuff. Nice, nice. And you, you've, you've had, the GH5 was the camera that you've been using for a long time now, right? Yes. Like a year? Any any qualms with it? No, uh, mostly user error. Some, like in the one video, uh, and a couple of them, I accidentally shot in 4K, and I didn't, like, I screwed that up. And then in another video, like in Christian's video, I was on Christian's channel, I set my focus. I was using a new lens. I was trying out a new lens, and then um, I didn't have the focus set correctly. So it's mostly user error. It's just my like rushing around and, and some of this stuff. But I think if you, especially like I moved one of my lights around, and my videos look totally different. It looks like I got a new camera, even though I just 
put a different light somewhere. And so if you light, if you shoot, if you light things correctly, it might, it gets such incredible video. Nice. Although sometimes I watch Carl's behind the scenes on his, on his story and I'm like, maybe I should get a cinema camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His stuff looks, looks good. That's, that's a whole different level, <laughs> but he seems to be going into more like he wants to do website, like product photography, like professional level stuff. And like, I'm not going that direction. I recognize that I don't have the discipline or the, the knowledge for that, but that's really where his passion seems to go. Mine is more like, I want to go out and talk to the guy that is doing that versus be the guy that's doing that. I think. Yeah. 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 And I think probably, I mean, you know, if you just look at the progression of what we're doing. I'm sure one day it's, uh, it involves more, more of a team and more gear and uh, specialists and stuff like that. So, but it is cool. It's, it's fun upgrading, you know, upgrading your gear because this stuff evolves so quickly and, you know, so for me coming from a Canon T6i to a, a GH5 is like a Toyota to a Ferrari, you know, it's, it's crazy. Well, and I told Carl when we're in New York next week, I want to go to B&H because I've been looking at new lenses. I want to get a different lens than the kit lens that I've been using. So I have a, I have a prime lens that I got, which was the wire cutters pick. And then I want to get a different one for my normal shooting, but I don't think we can squeeze in because he's coming from like Harlem or something, but I wanted to like go with him to B&H and like pick something out, but I don't think I'm going to make it with him. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I love B&H. The Mecca. It's like a, yeah, it's like a, a toy store. <laughs> I know. I bought something there uh, when I was there for a conference and like, it's just, it's like nerd heaven. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, I, and once you get into it, it's like, oh man, there's, there's all these different lenses and they're all, they're all good for different things. So, <laughs> but right now I have, I think I have the 18 to 18 to 55 or 18 to 35, um, 2.8 with the Panasonic. But if you know, I add a couple primes. Are you going to get the converter that you can then use your lenses on the micro four thirds? No, I'm, I'm going, I'm going native. So I'm just ditching all the Canon stuff. And, uh, and cause I, I think that there, that you lose some, even with the, with the best adapters, you lose some, uh, stabilization and some autofocus and just some, some stuff that works really well if you use Panasonic lenses. Yeah. I looked at getting, um, cause I have, I have old Canon lenses, but I didn't, I'm end up going with it. So this episode was a lot about me. What do you got going on in October that you're excited about? <laughs> well, um, I actually, my, my last video was, was a little bit different. I did like a kind of like a more cinematic, it was, it was very much like a, a Huga video, you know, where it was kind of minimal and there was some voiceover, but it, the script was really short compared to most of my videos. And, uh, I really enjoyed that. So I'm, I'm going to try to do more of that, uh, going forward. Not, not every, I'm like changing the style of the channel or anything, but just every now and then. Um, and then let's see a couple weeks here. I'm going to meet up, uh, with you and, and some other guys in New York. So that'll be fun. And then we have LA later in the month in October, so yeah, October is going to be a great month. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I need, I want to find a sweet place in LA for the meetup. I would love to get into the Magic Castle. I put that in that spreadsheet, but I don't know anybody that's a member there. Ashley Weston has to know somebody that's a member at the Magic Castle. She might, she might. Yeah, you know, AJ might know somebody actually. Yeah, so I'm going to start knocking on that door because I also want to go to um, 
Fat Man on well, it used to be called Fat Man on Batman, but it's a Kevin Smith podcast. And um they do a live show every Tuesday at this place called the Scum and Villainy Cantina, like right on Hollywood Boulevard, and it's a place that's supposed to look like the the cantina from Star Wars, but they can't call it a Star Wars cantina. And uh I wanna go do that kind of stuff. So I'm like I got all my New York stuff lined up for next week. Now I'm gonna start thinking about LA. Very nice. Yeah, I got to make the the meetup announcement on my channels, um, which which will be a lot of fun uh, for anybody listening. Will, will, will this will this go? Yeah, this will go up before uh, before the meetup, right? This will be up on Wednesday, the twenty sixth. So you have one week and two days to get to New York. We're gonna we're gonna be with the Thursday Boots team. So we'll have uh, Nolan from Thursday Boots and their team. Um, he even said in the email like they'll have samples and pre release products. So you get a sneak peek at some of their new stuff too. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So if you're if you're in the area, come to the meetup. Details on either of our channels. And actually, I just got I finally got a pair of Thursday's shoes that I was able to get my size in. So I think that video will be up next week. Nice loafers or lace ups or what? One of each. I got an Oxford and a lace up, and uh, I like them. They definitely give Mearmen a run for their money because they sit at that one hundred. They're 180 for the Oxfords, 170 for the Lovers, in a Goodyear welted shoe with nice leather. It's like it gives a Mearman a run for their money. I'm also pretty salty on Mearman. Mm, what happened there? That was the one where I bought the shoe and it had a staple sticking out of the footbed. And then it's taken me an entire year to get them to accept that I have a staple sticking out of the footbed so they'll replace it. And I actually am going to the store when I'm in New York because. I shipped the shoe to Spain for like $60. They're supposed to reimburse me for the shipping if the shoe is actually defective, but it came back. It's been this like nightmare of a process. I'll probably, I talked about it in my video where I unboxed it before I sent it back. And so I'll have to recap it once I get a new pair. Oh man. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, speaking of salty on brand, uh, did I tell you that my boosted board just broke? No. Yeah. So so I, I didn't ride it for, for a little while because it was super hot outside. And apparently if, sometimes if, if, if you don't use the battery for a while, it can, it needs to be like almost like supercharged. You have to either manually push it or, uh, like get dragged behind a car or like do something to, to kind of rev the battery up. No way. And so I, I tried everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried everything like that, that I could find on the internet to like get this thing back to life and it just wouldn't. And so I, tr I tried to get in touch with them. First of all, it took forever to get an answer from customer service, which I was like really surprised about. Cause I thought they were like, I've seen them like on Reddit and like they have a subreddit. And like, I just thought they were going to be like super cool and responsive and they weren't. And I finally got a response and they're basically like, they're like, we don't really know. Like it's probably just dead. Uh, you can ship it back to us and shipping's on you and and return shipping's on you too. <laughs> so I was like, are you serious? So, so I have to ship, you know, this giant boost board back to them in San Francisco, uh, which is probably gonna be kind of pricey. And then they basically give you an estimate, which like if they need to replace the battery, it's like 400 bucks or something. And then I'd have to pay for, uh, for return shipping too. So it'd be like half the cost of a new boost board to, to get this thing back to life. They don't have like a one year warranty. Well, the, you know, this one's out months. of the, yeah, this one's out of its warranty and they do. Ha I did ask them. I was like, well, if I did that, could I put, 
could you like, give me credit toward a new board instead of like fixing this one? Cause they have, they've released a few new models since then. And I, they, I think they kind of said yes. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I was, I was like really disappointed by their responsiveness and, uh, willingness to, to work with me. I even kind of tried to like, I, I don't like to do this, but like, I kind of tried to like use the channel a little bit. I was like, Hey, by the way, like I have this channel, like <laughs> I talk about the boost board sometimes and they just, it just didn't do anything. Oh, that's the worst. No, I'm salty on them. Yeah, I was, I was, that was not cool. So it was a brand that I like really evangelized for and, uh, feel like, uh, they did not reciprocate. Yeah. Well, even like, uh, they should at least cover the shipping. Like if they're going to replace a bat, huh, that's annoying. Yeah. So, I mean, and you know, the, the fact is there's so many, I mean, they're definitely like the Apple of electric skateboards, but there's so many awesome, like personal transportation companies these days and you know, there's electric bikes, like all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I think if I'm going to replace that, it's probably not going to be with another booster board. Yeah. If you could go back for a similar price, would you have gotten an e-bike instead? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've seen those, um, those like hybrid, uh, electric bikes. Like, I don't know if you watch like max tuning. Um, he's got one and Casey Neistat has a couple those do look pretty interesting. I mean, there's something about the portability of the skateboard. I think if I were to replace it now, I'd probably get like a smaller one, a smaller electric skateboard that's a little easier to carry around. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It was, it, I was a little bummed out. I mean, if, if I were in a city, I think I'd be more upset because I would actually use it like every day to commute versus here. It's, it's more of a toy, um, but it was fun. Yeah. Well, this has been two guys complaining about a bunch of stuff on the internet. So, because <laughs> I think when you bought that though, the e-bikes were more pricey than they have been. Like the price on those has come down a lot because I rented them when we were in Scotland and I loved it. But I don't have a good reason to get mm -hmm. one here. Yeah, I mean, you know, a brand new like top of the line electric skateboard is going to be twelve to fifteen hundred dollars at least, and that's definitely getting into like decent e-bike territory. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd consider that. Or, or like a scooter. I see a lot of people with um, like the electric uh, scooters, which also look pretty cool. Well, that's why you drive a beater around and wear a Rolex, so you can contemplate these types of decisions. Exactly. <laughs> I, loved, I loved that comment on your video. It was like, wait, that's like a beat-up Honda key, and you got a Rolex right next to it? Oh, man. Dude, several people commented on it. In fact, one, one person was like, Oh, like this guy has a Rolex and drives like a 2005 Honda. Like, ugh. And I was like, dude, first of all, it's a 2000. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on. Way older. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I like my, my cars. Like, I like my watches. Vintage. <laughs> That's right. Well, great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. I hope uh, anybody has questions about my ramblings for the sneak roundup. That video has been doing gangbusters. And so. Happy to see you over there, and uh, we'll share out some more details and pictures about the New York meetup. Sounds good. Thanks for listening all the way through. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>